Hi guys, welcome to another episode of It's Cool. I know the owner. I'm your host, Zach Schmidt with the Horton Group. And with me, I have the owners of Aid Hospitality today, Chris Bader and Carmen Rossi. Hello, thanks for having us. How are we doing today, guys? Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having us, Horton Group and Zach. Thank you very much. Thank you, Horton Group. Shout out the Horton Group. I love it. They're already on board. So what's going on, guys? How you been? I haven't seen you much since uh, this past summer. Well, um, let's see. You haven't seen us since you left the industry. Started on your own. We're going to... We haven't seen you since you quit. I don't know if that's a good or a bad note. Yeah. We're doing the interview. Always a little guilt there. You know, that said, we're doing more projects. I know Chris and I are a little bit uh, diverse in our own talents and focuses uh, and what we're focusing on. Uh, it's not simply hospital or limited to hospitality rather, but uh, yeah, Chris, what are you? So what are some other things you guys currently have in the works? We have, uh, well, this is yeah well, being filmed well, in January and uh, this was, what I had in the works was a parlay that was supposed to hit uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, absolutely devastating. And devastating. And as Carmen said, no one in the office is going back in San Francisco. And we wish San Francisco the worst and the 49ers the worst. Uh, it's very important to say that. If the overall energy of this podcast is perhaps not as enthusiastic, it's because of yesterday's devastating. Dallas. You guys lost a lot of money. Responsibly. Now, responsibly. We, we gamble on the gaming apps responsibly. We responsibly lost two bars yesterday. So aid hospitality has just been cut in half in the last 24 hours. We're one hospitality. We are we are, <laughs> confused with one-off hospitality. Yeah. We are not one-off one hospitality. hospitality. We were eight hospitality. Now we're only we're down to one hospitality. Should championship weekend this weekend go well, we'll be back to ten hospitality. I love it. Uh, I am moonlight as a comedian. Uh, it is my passion. Uh, just having fun doing videos and stuff like that. How many that. years have you been doing that now? Uh, ten years. Ten years. Uh, um, right around when we started buying, uh, when we started our hospitality group, which would be February, would be our ten year anniversary. Um. And last year I had a uh, killer year. Uh, I made $11,400 in comedy, um, which I parlayed that uh, into some responsible bets that didn't work out. I, I like we, we have some good projects coming up. We have some stuff in the West Loop that we haven't officially announced yet. Um, we have a building on Randolph Row, uh, and it's a little bit, a little bit more west than the primary locations, but uh, it's where everything is going, and we're excited about that pride company. A lot of our initial projects, and perhaps not surprisingly, were in uh, neighborhoods we're more north. Um, Bar 63 on Broadway, which was the old Hamilton's, that's in uh, Rogers Park. Yeah, old Loyola Bar. Loyola Bar, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we had a bunch on Lincoln Avenue and Lincoln Park and... Then we got into Old Town. Uh, we've expanded in River North and The Loop. Um, and we're both looking at projects outside of the state, uh, down from Georgia, Arizona, New York. Um, Florida. Florida. Yeah. So, yeah, now we're, you know, we're just looking at a portfolio of locations and, and imagining some diversity. 
So not only like expanding business to other states nationally, like you just mentioned being successful in Chicago, have you guys ever thought about or considered if you were to live somewhere in the U uh, somewhere else in the U.S., do you think you could thrive somewhere else? What, what would be some place that comes to mind? I think uh, East Coast, West Coast. Are you too established in Chicago to leave it at this point or you just like where you're at? No, I think it's a big period of growth. If you see what's going on in the city of Chicago and the, you know, the largest hospitality groups, more than ever the last three or four years, you're seeing a lot of them have great success in several different states, not necessarily because they're a franchise or they want to, you know, it's not 30 McDonald's, but it's the, it's the groups you see here. So I, you know, in the Southeast, for example, it, it, Chicago, you would go to a Chicago tavern, like just a tavern style bar and get really good burger and fries and food. And that same food is not made at different other taverns around the country. Like it's just not as good. So right. if you take our approach to hospitality, as Carmen says, like if you, it's kind of like they used to say, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. If you make it in Chicago, you can make it anywhere. So it, it's kind of the idea of what we're able to do in Chicago. You don't see it in on the West Coast. You don't see it in Los Angeles. Like they're at every, and this is not a dig at those servers that are working hard because they're in the entertainment business, but they're more concerned of where their next audition is, what's going to happen, you know, if their next video is going to pop, a lot of them. And in Chicago, people are career servers. And we, we're, we're fortunate enough at hospitality where people who do two jobs at once and they really care about the consumer. They really care about the product that comes out. Uh, and you don't see that around the country. So we want to apply that, you know, happy pressure to those other cities. And, you know, that's why we're thinking about taking some of our concepts to other cities, taking our talents of what we know about the hospitality to other cities and uh, getting the staff to buy in, take stake in the company. We think there's a big void in a lot of cities. So we're looking everywhere. For me, to answer the final question of what cities, uh, I think Carmen and I both have an affection for New York. I think we both enjoy Florida. Um, those, those are for me, those are from cities that if we were going to live somewhere part-time or go back and forth, but you know, Carmen. Well, uh, I don't want to be infamous in saying this, but I, I love this city. I never imagined leaving and I'll stay here until they run me out. Casino is a hot topic. It, 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 and it's, it's not a topic where, um, at any point, everyone's going to be on the same page by a long shot. Um, should just removing all of the, uh, removing all of the, the noise. Uh, I, I think that it, I'm hopeful that gaming as an industry will continue to get more, um, attention for business opportunities. I mean, throughout the state, if you have a liquor license, most municipal, well, I shouldn't say most, many municipalities allow you to have gaming, uh, terminal operations. So real would be a which would be great for a small business. So sorry, not to interrupt, but the things you're talking about now, like in your opinion, do you find that like Illinois and Chicago is kind of behind the curve as far as a lot of industries like marijuana, gaming, things that other states and major cities are doing, but we always seem to be the last to get legalized and get funding for and really get going on? I will uh, answer this question by saying I have a little bit of an advantage in that I I spend a good amount of time following this stuff. Uh, Illinois state population is dropping. 
city of Chicago's population is increasing, um, in particular major sex. Where we're losing significantly is the, the, this, the west and south sides. The, the, those communities are, are ravaged, and you, you, you're just seeing people leave in droves. Um, that said, uh, no, go, go to other states. Illinois is pretty aggressively progressive when it comes to cannabis. We are both medical and rec. Um, to answer your question, every municipality sort of has home rule. So while it's legal in the state, every town gets to decide its extent. Right. Uh, and, you know, the city of Chicago doesn't have lounges yet, but I think you'll see that maybe within 2023. Um, when it comes to gaming. Starting to pop up in the suburbs and stuff. I've been, you'll see them right? in the suburbs for sure. Where there's like consumption lounges and, you know, you can buy your pot brownies and have a cup of coffee. And it's almost like a like a weed Starbucks or like a but, cafe. But, but that is lounge. interesting. Or maybe it's only interesting to to people who are one-to-one or directly intimate with those industries. But will cannabis play a role in food and beverage? Will lounges find a way to revenue generate? Like yeah. gaming, I think we've scratched a surface. Illinois is the third largest gaming state in the country. We have reached, I think we're three months in a row, over a billion dollars a month wagered. Um, I think Illinois could be a top two market when it comes to sports gaming. That's an incredible step. Like, cause we're not number two in population necessarily. And, um, <clears throat> but I think Midwest culture is very sport driven. So can we imagine how gaming coalesces with F and B hospitality concepts, mm-hmm. um, where it becomes part of the business. These are things that we're exploring. Same with cannabis. I don't think there is a proven economic model to show that a lounge within a regulatory scheme works on F&B, but I think we'll progress in time. A lot of people know who you guys are, especially in hospitality, but to get a little more background on you guys, um, we started talking about it. That's a big part of this podcast, getting to know you guys, where you came from. We went to, we went, talked a lot about the present right now and where things are going. So, you know, when I first heard about you guys, when I was working at State with your boy Robin Cook, he would mention you guys, you all went to U of I together. So if you could just like brief, brief history, background, how you guys met, where you come from, and how it led into what you're doing now. There was a bar in University of Illinois Champaign called uh, C.O. Daniels. Um, and I'm not going to tell you the year because Carmen and I uh, are Gen Z. And... <laughs> At, during that time, uh, I went to University of Illinois in Champaign, and I was kind of like a party planner uh, for the bar. And the bar had just hired uh, students on campus. Typically in a bar in Champaign, you would have to work your way up. So you're a doorman, you're a bar back, then you become a head doorman, or you become a bartender, then you know you become a manager. The advantage of University of Illinois Champaign has always been 19 to enter the bars you know, and to work there as well. So it really helped people, students who needed money. So you know, I was a college student, I wanted money, so I applied to this bar. Mm-hmm. And one day I walk in, and I don't know if you guys know American Idol, but uh, there was a guy who looked just like uh, one of the stars from American Idol. And he was wearing a red suit, 
And that was Carmen, and he was managing the bar at the time. Wait, what what is the name of this American uh, idol? Clay Aiken. I was so, going to say that, but so, I didn't want to say it. He had, he had these beautiful highlights. He had these beautiful frosted tips. And I was that like, who is this beautiful? Mind, but I don't think you look yeah. like him. And I was like, who is this beautiful man? And uh, we got to become fast friends. And uh, Carmen was managing the bar. And what had just happened, Robin Cook had the wherewithal to say, listen, we're going to beat these other bars, the competition. Oh, enough of this. If you're a doorman, then you move up. And if you're a female shot girl, then you become bartender. He said, let's just find people who hold executive positions at fraternities and sororities and who are very popular and have you know influence on the campus. So Carmen was the manager. And then we started working together in different fraternities. And then we became great friends uh, as you know things went on. Okay, so from U of I or during U of I, Wingman Productions, when did you guys, how'd that, how'd that come about? Uh, my sister was dating this guy who, uh, this is like, man, I was 18, 19, and she was dating this guy, and he said, uh, hey, uh, my friend puts himself through college because he throws parties. And then I kind of was interested. I met him. His name was Rob. He's working in a place called High Tops in Wrigley. And he said, hey, if you bring your friends. And at the time, you know, I was 19. I was like, okay, what do I have to do? He's like, you invite all your friends. And then I'll give you a dollar per person. I was like, shit, if I got 100 people, that's $100. And I thought that was a lot. Then um, later I realized he was getting $10. And that guy was a piece of shit. Right? getting paid um, these days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now, now it's events companies, event companies who are licensed and, you know, and, you know, we work with them, but yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of started from there and then I needed help and Carmen had a huge influence from his high school and people who we knew on campus as well. Cause we were in separate fraternities and he had a side of a brain that I didn't have. Uh, so we kind of combined and started working together and we were working with bars in Chicago, like the one that you used to work at state. Um, and we kind of took ideas like St. Patrick's Day, unofficial St. Patrick's Day, which was happening at University of Illinois Champaign, which I think still happens, right? Uh, yeah, does not delete that part. Um, a version of it happens. And so we kind of applied what we knew uh, and started doing it in Chicago. What got you into aid hospitality? Were you like, I wanna back off a little bit of the events, the promotions, get more into us owning and running our own venues. We were working with a group uh, at the time that was we thought was splitting up. Uh, and at the, at the time, Carmen was finishing uh, his last year of law school. He was about to sit for the bar. And we saw an opportunity um, where Hubbard Inn was about to go for sale. A uh, great group of guys, and we're still friends with all of them. And we thought Hubbard Inn was about to go for sale. So uh, inserted kind of Carmen... And uh, him and I, and we we met up with our uh, current, our other partner, and we just all worked together to make it happen. So it, that at that time, our first venture was here, Hubbard Inn, and that's kind of what started. When you're young, the other side of uh, life is your expenses are reasonable. Um, both Chris and I took head student loans. Um, do you still have some loans? I still have some loans. Um, but, you know, because Joe Biden is going to get rid of all my student loans. I don't follow up by. Not because I'm 
above any age bracket or anything. But you should write a letter to the president. I, uh, I, I think, you know, so when, when it became time, we, we saved up money. Um, we met uh, through our network. I, I, I mean, there is no single, there is not a bigger catalyst to our success than our network. I, I do think that luck and timing has so much to do with things. And I can't stand that proverbial character in a movie that says, I don't believe in luck. You make your own luck. Blah, blah, blah. That's just a silly, silly movie line. There's um, kind of a right time and place. Like things do have to line up. Oh, you for could big things to happen. It needs to be all. You have an like, amazing perfect. idea in a recession and you're, or be right. ahead of Or you time. go about it wrong or you don't capitalize on opportunity. You see it all the time. Yeah. It's a little bit of luck. But the luck where we would, where we would um, perhaps describe a central ingredient to luck is our network. I mean, we've been super fortunate. Uh, and I guess that could be a testament to character and personality uh, in that, you know, the network has to welcome, be welcoming with open arms, I suppose. But um, yeah, we were able to, through our network, find the resources, develop the company. So you kind of talked about being younger, you have the advantage of, you know, you're newer to things. You have the advantage of, yeah, expenses, um, the ambition, the energy, all the things like you're starting these things for the first time. But in a way, I feel like a disadvantage could be is like the know-how, the experience, the knowledge. Now, I'm sure you guys ran into that. Were there a lot of things where you were taking on these big ambitious, ambitious projects and it was just like figuring out as you go along, like a lot of people do and or should do, but there's a lot of those people who are like, this needs to be perfect and figured out before we can even start it and then it never happens. Is that a big part of being an entrepreneur, diving into big projects? Of course you wanna be educated, to a certain extent, but sometimes you just got to start, right? I'll, I'll take the first stab at this, but I'm interested. I am incredibly impressed with um, the acumen and skill set of a solo entrepreneur who can start and manage their own company individually. I, I do not possess such talents. Uh, I think it's evidenced in the many myriad of ventures we do both inside of hospitality and outside of it. Um, we seek out uh, our personalities, seek out partners, uh, and industry experts. Uh, and that's been consistent since we really started working together. Um, you know, if you're missing an element of the team, uh, if, you know, if there's a certain, um, required, uh, uh, you know, knowledge base, we'll, we'll, we'll we won't pull the trigger prematurely. We'll, we'll really converse on that, like make sure that we're capable of, of pulling this off. But again, that goes, we, we were very fortunate to find some, some people. And as a measure of partnership, that's great, but it's the same theme in recruitment of talent. I mean, you know, you want to recruit on your team the, the holes and the gaps. So what do you look for in a business partner? Because I think about things that ideas I have, things I want to do, things I want to pursue. And yeah, maybe I've known someone for 15 years, but then, you know, you think they could be good. They could be helpful. You have similar ideas and ambitions, but then 
you know, maybe you don't trust them. Maybe they're not this, maybe they're not that. It's hard to have to start a relationship or have a longstanding business relationship, you know? So what do you look for to start that partnership and continue it? That's like an honest question I've always had because it's, it's tough to find those people to where, hey, we're going to start this and we're going to blow it up. It's going to be, I know it's constant work. It's a relationship. But what do you look for from the start and during? Yeah, I mean, not a simple uh, question, but yeah. here's, two, here's two analogies. One, you're getting married. Yeah. Uh, and it is not typical that folks get married after one or two dates. So to your point, there has to be history. Uh, and if you're just meeting for the first time, but you think it should be a good fit, I've made the mistake of getting too excited, you know, uh, and wanting to, to bring somebody aboard without taking the time to really get to know, you know, and not rushing into this. Right. Um, and I'm super conscious of that now. Uh, the other thing is the uh, baseball analogy. I mean, you got to have at-bats and you got to have a decent batting average, which is to say, like, you know, I want to hear about not everything is starting your own business. Like, Zach, you're your own business. You don't need to start your own insurance company. Like, the Zach Schmidt brand is its own business. I've got this portfolio of skill set in hospitality, this in sales. I'm interested in these industries such as risk management, insurance, et cetera. Like, that is a brand. And there's going to be a whole reel, sports reel of success and stories when I worked for this company, when I did this. And you want to learn about that. You want to be able to brag about your team. What's the need for a partner to, to begin with? So you have a business idea and everyone thinks, everyone who's a solo entrepreneur thinks, I need to start an LLC. I need to get a business partner. I need to get this. You just need to back up. Like kind of what Carmen was saying on personal branding, like, whether it's a, you know, you're going to start a fashion line, you're going to start a YouTube page, uh, you're going to open a breakfast place. What's your brand? How are you going to get consumers? So just back into that, like, is anyone going to buy this? Like whether I'm, I have a candy shop online or I'm doing logistics or I'm selling property casualty insurance, why are people buying this? So if this partner has been with me in the trenches for years, then you take them along for the ride or you ask them if they want to participate, that makes sense. But if you're looking for a new partner because you know nothing about insurance, then okay, then they're knowledge-based. So you're partnering with them strategically because of their knowledge. Then is there a financial commitment that you have to have to start this new company? So who's going to contribute financially? Sometimes a business partner is just somebody who's silent, who's contributing financially. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you have to really look at it, as Carmen said, do I know this person that well? Do I know if they operate in, with integrity? It's kind of like you're hiring someone at your company. You want to get some references if it's brand new. Um, and then you don't just partner with people because they're your friend. Because that's, MC Hammer did that. It didn't work out for him. So that, that's what I would think. Right now, at our stage, you know, being over 10 years into this, we partner with people strategically. Because we think, is there a reason for this strategic partnership, you know? But that most important thing, if you're starting a business... It, it's good to have crazy ideas because a lot of people talk themselves out of it. Like just try it for sure. Right. But it's also limit your costs in the beginning. However you can do it. Uh, instead of being like, I have to raise $2 million cause I'm going to think of an app. Limit the risk. Take a little at a time. Yeah. We have so many meetings with, with younger 
the younger generation, which they say the younger generation is not entrepreneur, entrepreneurially driven, but they are. And I'd say so many of them are, yeah, ever. So many of them are saying, well, I'm trying to raise this much money. And I, and then I say, well, what's your product? And they haven't even developed the product yet. And they're just like, well, this is my business plan. And I talked to my aunt about it and I'm like, well, go back and kind of fix the business plan. You know, like that's your aunt was wrong. Um, and that's why, she, you know, your aunt was selling perfume for 30 years, but that's just, is this a specific, is this a no. specific story? No, not at all. It's just like, sounds yeah, like just, you have someone in mind. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I guess I say this because we were just talking about, you know, I'm, I'm super, um, sensitive to engaging, not just with younger people, but anybody who just finds themselves, you know, I do think there's a perfect job out there for everyone. I just think most people don't find it. And that's the sort of stress. Maybe they don't find it because they don't have the time or they don't have the resources or that, but it is, it is, you know, part of our internal dream to, to wake up every day and, and imagine working for the, the, your dream job. Yeah. It's easy to get stuck kind of going down one path you know, 10 years go by and you just get deeper and deeper in it. And, you know, maybe it's too late to try something different or risk averse, right. You know, it's not worth the risk or you just don't know how to pursue that. Yeah. Chris is, um, excellent at, uh, engage, communicating, asking questions, reaching out to industry experts, whatever the industry. And I think that's a wonderful personality trait to have if you're starting a business or just following a passion or just exploring an opportunity is, is meeting with industry experts, asking a ton of questions. Um, and I think, you know, if there was a theme uh, to this whole thing is that you're finding two people where hospitality, who've managed to find some success in hospitality and real estate development with no background in the hospitality, real estate development, you know, acumen. Um, and you're, 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 you know, you're asking us the story and we've, um, attempted to bring you on a journey in, in 20, 30 minutes. But, you know, the reality is we're, we're just like, we're, we're just a couple of normal guys who met in college and have definitely fed off one another's, you know, uh, strengths and, and networks. Um, and now, you know, looking toward the future, I mean, th this is a great, I imagine at least for some time until you get national syndication for your podcast sec, Working on it. Uh, this will be more located to Chicago. Yes. Anything you want to leave us with? I, just about 20 more minutes left. I, uh, no, I want to kind of piggyback off of what Carmen has said for anyone out there who wants to be an entrepreneur or, you know, partnership, stuff about hospitality. He, he kind of hit it on the head. Like, we, we became good friends. Um, we both had these aspirations to find success. Um, and it's a roller coaster and it goes up and down and there's good. And I would say after 10 years, if you're getting worse at something, you probably should stop doing that thing. Time to reevaluate. Um, and a, a great gauge is, you know, uh, Carmen doesn't mention, he didn't mention this about himself, but he's also has a law firm. He's also an, you know, uh, an attorney, um, uh, not necessarily a litigator, but, you know, does different types of transactions. And I, I've watched his personal brand and him as an attorney kind of grow every single year. And I think if, and he indexes himself well into other businesses. And 
Now I've come along for the ride as well. And I look at other businesses. We love business. It sounds silly like to love business, but we uh, we'll look at anything like like creating jobs in the city of Chicago, creating jobs in Illinois, building companies, building culture. And we've from the success we've taken that we've had in the hospitality and real estate development, we're kind of parlaying that into other ventures. We've been successful. So I'm excited to see where the next 10 years is. Who knows? But if you're getting worse at something, you really need to stop. Maybe go to Chase. Switch DCF Bank is hiring. Switch it up. Or Eight Hospitality. We're, we're, we're looking for bookkeepers or people. So Or come back yeah. to Eight Hospitality. Or come back to Hospitality. Zach, you have an open offer to start as I an assistant assistant floor manager. Um, <laughs> thank you. Bar back, thank whatever you. I got to do. Thank you to Zach. Thank you to Zach. Thank you to everyone. Please buy insurance from Zach. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Again, Chris Bader, Carmen Rossi, thanks for coming out today, sharing your story. Now you guys do know the owners. And with that, farewell.